Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds, to another episode of You're Gonna Die Out There. Uh, I'm Megan, sitting across from my co-host, Jen. I thought you were going to keep it sultry. <laughs> hey, all you nature nerds. I'm Listen. Megan. How's it going? <laughs> Welcome to another episode how, of You're how Gonna Die Out you, There. How are all you feeling today? <laughs> In the quiet storm. We're taking requests all night long. <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited for your story today. I'm excited to just be sitting here. Listening. Staring at your face while you talk. That's amazing. Yeah. Today, everyone and Megan, Mm -hmm. I am going to talk about Violet Jessup. Violet Jessup. Does that ring a bell? I feel like Jessup is a county or a town in Georgia. That's the most that I can, that I can like, yeah. Also known as Miss Unsinkable. Oh, but not... Not unsinkable, unsinkable Mo- Molly. No, oh, was, no, no, no. Oh, different. Is, okay, this is different. All right. So we're gonna get some history. Okay. And learn about a cool lady. I love it. She was actually born in Argentina, but her parents are from Ireland, and she was born on October second, eighteen eighty-seven. Her parents were William and Catherine Jessup, mm-hmm. and she was the first of nine kids. Irish Catholics. Irish, yeah. Love it. But only one of six to survive. Oh. So, you know, times were tough. And her parents had gone there to farm at some point before she was born. Okay. So they went there. They're like, let's go here. Maybe there was family. I don't know. Argentina sounds cool. What do they speak in Argentina? Um, Portuguese? Portuguese? I think it's Portuguese. Yeah. I I wonder if they had like an Irish accent to their... Portuguese. That would be that would be great. <laughs> Probably. Amazing. When she was little, she actually got tuberculosis and they thought oh. she was gonna die. I mean, they're like, she has to to the consumption. Yeah. You're gonna die. And so it was probably she went to one of those hospitals for like kids. It makes me think of what's that movie where Kate Winslet is like a kid and she has tuberculosis? Is what? Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of this movie. No, I think it's the one where she and this other girl have a relationship and then they kill her mom. Can't think of the name of the movie. Somebody's yelling it right now. But anyway, that you know, like people with it used to go to special hospitals where mm-hmm. tuberculosis people were. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she didn't die. She pulled through. But when she was 16, her father died and she like watched him die. It was really sad. Oh, no. um, they say of surgical complications. And I'm like, yeah, what? surgery in the late 1800s, probably not the cleanest. You got like, it's like 50 50. Yeah. I mean, or maybe less. Maybe the odds are much worse. I'm not <laughs> sure. After that, her mom was like, we can't stay here without him. We need to go. So they went back to England mm-hmm. and she went to a convent school naturally. Naturally. Uh, she took care of her younger sister because her mom got a job working as a stewardess on ships. Oh, cool. Okay. So she ended up taking care of everybody, but then her mom got sick. And then so she left school and ended up getting the same job as her mom. Probably actually the same job. (laughs) She's like, I'm sick. Here's my daughter. Yeah, I feel like those were the times where mm-hmm. where they would be like, you know, here's this job that you have, uh, that your child has maybe. And I'm just, uh, you know what I'm thinking of is that miniseries called North and South. Not the one that's about like the Confederacy, but the one that is uh, set in England in like Hampshire and like all these like whatever. There's like this northern town, Milton, uh-huh. where they make cotton. And there's like a, a there's, is this like a series or a movie? Yeah, it's a miniseries. Oh, okay. And there's this point in the first season or first like whatever episode where the mom of this guy who runs the cotton mill is like talking to a woman whose child is sick and she's like do you have another one at home and the mom Mm -hmm. is like yeah and she's like get her home within the hour bring another kid back here to replace her you can keep the job right and i'm like that's how that was it kind of sounds like that yeah but apparently she was well if you'll see pictures there's Mm -hmm. a lot of photos and she's very beautiful and they said that she had to dress down dress in oh. like frumpy clothes to make herself less attractive so they would hire her oh my gosh and so by this time she was 21 and that was she got her first stewardess position in the royal mail line and this was in 1908 
before joining the White Star Liner Company in 1911. White Star, the one that had a bunch of boats that went down, right? (laughs) Uh, Yes. The Titanic was a white star, wasn't yes, it? Yeah, yes. Okay. And its sisters. Oh. Yeah. So she worked in these first class cabins. And so she would go in. She was kind of like the one who took care of all their their needs. Mm. So she made their beds. She brought their breakfast trays, cleaned up, you know, arranged flowers. Stoked the fires. There was, I guess, what she says is no aspect of service that was not her or her colleagues' responsibilities. Mm. And a lot of quotes I'll talk about later comes from a memoir that she, like somebody else put it together, but it's based on her diaries and whatnot. The guy who wrote all that was John Maxtone Graham, Mm. and he's the one who edited her memoir, and it's called Titanic Survivor. Oh, Since you already know that's what we're going to talk about. So when she started working for the White Star Line, she was placed on the Majestic, but switched to working on the Olympic in 1910. Okay. And then she worked there for, they say like very little pay, like crappy pay, but long hours, of course, because early 1900s. Mm -hmm. And she was worried about the travel patterns of the ship. I mean, there was like rough waters where they were going because she'd already been doing this for a little while. And she's like, look, (laughs) hi, I know I'm not a captain, but... But Like, I understand where we've been. Is there a comment box? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to leave a suggestion. Let's get a new route. Let's let's not do this. But she was excited. She said that she was excited about the opportunity because there were Americans on the ship. And she thought they were much nicer to her and treated her like a person. And you know what? That just warms my heart a little bit. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm like, wow, Americans were nice back then. Right? Kind of. Little. I guess the rich ones. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) And depending from where, I don't know. (laughs) A little side mention is that in 1910, my grandfather came over on a boat from Italy to America. Oh. Yes. 1910. That is... That Exciting. is insane. Yeah. So she's on the Olympic, mm. doing her job, just living her life, hanging with some Americans that were being cool. They probably thought they were just all like cowboys. Yeah. They're right? probably like smoking cigarettes and, and I don't know, playing like, cards, poker, something right, like that. Yeah. Exactly. And so in 1911, there was an unfortunate event with the Olympic. It ran into a warship <laughs> or actually... The warship ran into it, I guess. This is before radar. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's called the HMS Hawk, and it was designed to ram into ships and sink them. Oh, no. Yes. It's like a... It's a ramming ship. It's a ramming ship. Yeah. It's like, cram, cram. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skippity-bap it's ramming a skip- ship. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. So they were in this narrow they call it this narrow strait of solent it's in it's a strait i had to put this in for myself because i'm like i don't know where that is it's in the english channel so between mainland coast of the county of hampshire and the northwestern coast of the isle of Wight. all right okay so in there it's narrow it's narrow it's a straight. It's a straight. It's, it's a straight and narrow. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so, and this Olympic was ginormous, right? Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was built with the Titanic at the same time. I think they were built kind of together. Right. But they finished the Olympic first. And it was, like, super fancy. Real fancy. Real Decadent. giant. Yeah. And so, I guess, because it was so big, it generated such a big suction that it actually pulled the warship into it. Oh, wow. And as that is trying to get away, it kept cram, cram, <laughs> like just ramming it. I can't help it. I'm just ramming you and I can't help. And so, yeah, so it hit it a couple of times. It hit, There were two big holes in the hull of the Olympic. Oh, wow. And so it started flooding mm-hmm. into these compartments. So we all know what happened with the Titanic. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just yeah. like the water's like, bloop, 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 like went all the way through yeah. it. But this one, I think it was not the same somehow. And so it only damaged that part and it didn't sink. So it was able, and also because it was able to pretty like close. Stop the flooding, essentially. Well, and I think they were so close to, I mean, they're in the street. Oh, yeah. They're like nearly there, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they were able to go to Southampton for repairs and everybody was okay. Yeah. So she was in that accident Mm -hmm. but she was like in her memoir she doesn't even talk about it because it was it was nothing jen pretty much it's a mishap 
It was a mishap. You know, everybody had to get off and go hang out in was Southampton. The, did Did you read anything about the warship being damaged at all? No, it wasn't. It was just like we did. Like, I oh wonder, no, sorry. There was a picture. I take it back. The warship was like smushed in in the front, smushed a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just wonder if like the military, the you know uh, English military, was like, oh wow, we did a good job. Like it, we really it rammed it. We really did it. We really that <laughs> we thing really worked. Thing. No, they said actually that both of them had pretty bad damage. And I did. There was a picture. I tried to put it in with everything, but it yeah. didn't. I couldn't find the copyright stuff on it. Right, anyway, right, okay. but there is a picture. If you look it up, you can see the damage to both of them. So amazing. They both, you know, suffered. So yeah. So she no injuries. She got off that ship. She was like, okay people. Now what? She still wanted to keep working as a stewardess, obviously, because that wasn't such a big deal. And so this time she was recruited to work on the Titanic, which we all know about the Titanic. Tell us about the Titanic, Jen. Oh, I will just mention really quick right here, our favorite uh, movie podcast, That Aged Well, just did Titanic a couple weeks ago in yes. two parts because they're doing like long movie January or February. Or okay. But yeah, they did it and it's so good. So, so good. good. I so laughed. Good. It laughed so many I times. still need to listen to it, especially yeah. after this. Mm-hmm. What's the Celine Dion playing oh, yeah, in the yeah, background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's too good. Too yeah. Good. You know, I practice a lot. That stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she's now she's working on the Titanic. I'm sure she's stoked. I mean, imagine how beautiful. Yeah. Right. And she had, it's like dealing with first class people. Like she's <laughs> that, all like, you know, maybe Molly, unsinkable Molly Brown. She was probably a really, she seemed like a cool lady. Guaranteed. That's they why hung she out. liked Americans. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And she was new money, you know? So, plus, I I bet, yeah, working in first class was kind of sweet. Like, if you're working in steerage, you know, like yeah. second class, no, no, thank you. Working in first class, that's got to be pretty awesome because you get tipped. Oh, yeah. You know people. I feel like that's like a weird, I feel like whenever you watch these things about the history of, People who served the first class, like the gentry, all those like high up people. Right. Like they had their own. Or like even thing. working at Downton Abbey. Yeah. I'm like, you still got to eat the good food. You lived in a beautiful house. 100%. I mean, yeah. And those people seem pretty cool. Yeah. I'm just saying, I would have been like, I'd been cool with it. I'd been cool with it too. Yeah. I'd been fine. Get me a room in a big house. I'm there. So, as we all know, the Titanic hit an iceberg. It, if it you, did. I don't know, spoiler alert. <laughs> And a bunch of people died. 1,500 out of the 2,200 people on board died when it sunk. In her memoir, she recalled that she was ordered to go up on deck because her main job was to show the non-English speaking passengers what they needed to do. Mm. Like, put on your life jacket, do this, like, actually show them. Like, with she had like a little pretend She was belt. that lady with the seatbelt <laughs> and the little air thing, the oxygen that comes You're gonna out. You're going to blow... You're going to blow into the tube <laughs> right? on the side. Yeah, because if they had a hard time following directions, they would just mm. see what she was doing and oh, then okay. they would know what to do. So, of course, it was April 14th. What was it? 20? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't put it down. I put it at 20. <laughs> I mean, 1914? Something like 13? that. Yeah, I think you're right. 1914, okay. 1915, something like that. Sorry, I didn't put the year. Okay. But anyway, so <laughs> that night she was laying in bed. Mm-hmm. And she said she felt a, the jolt when it hit the iceberg. And she, this is her words. I was ordered up on deck calmly. Passengers strolled about. I stood at the bulkhead with the other stewardesses, watching women cling to their husbands before being put into the boats with their children. Sometime after, a ship's officer ordered us into the boat 16, first to show that show some women it was safe. Mm. Like, here you go. Um, as the boat was being lowered, an officer called, here, Miss Jessup, look after this baby, and a bundle was dropped into my lap. Oh, my God. She also noted it as someone's somebody's forgotten baby. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You forgot your baby? Yeah, the Titanic is such an awful... Well, and the, the how the lifeboats weren't, like, full. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That just... Bl- and only one... Wasn't it, like, only one went back to even try to find survivors? It was, like, one dude. Yeah. Anyway, it's just awful. It, it's all bad. Um, yeah. So when the boat was lo- lowered into the ocean, she said, and dropped into the water, it was like, she said, a bone cracking thud. Like it was so like crazy and that the baby started crying, obviously. Oh, yeah. And she held the baby and said that she just ho- held the baby, wrapped it up with some blankets because she'd been grabbing blankets and all this stuff. Yeah. And just completely watched the Titanic go into the water until it snapped in two and she said there was like a thundering roar 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is her words with a thundering roar and underwater explosions. And it was just gone. Um, mm-hmm. Can you? I mean, I just can't even imagine. I think that's about, just so crazy. I have to say that, like, the movie Titanic does a really good job of like recreating that, like what it would have felt like mm-hmm. to watch the ship just completely disappear. Yeah. And yeah, like lights kind of flickering into the depths of the ocean and that's it. And then it's just like quiet, dark coldness. Right. So oh, she God. says at that time, she was just so worried about the baby that mm-hmm. it might die before they could get be saved. Yeah. But she said the baby fell asleep and it was the following morning when they, the RMS uh, Carpathia mm-hmm. is a German vessel yeah, yeah. Um, that came and helped get all of the survivors um, in their rescue mission. And she said when she was standing on the deck, she's like, she was freezing, totally dazed. There, a woman ran up to her and grabbed the baby out of her arms. And she said, I did wonder why whoever its mother might be, she had not expressed one word of gratitude for the baby's life. Do you think that that was the mother? So, okay. So I looked it up and the records say that the baby um, was named Asad Thomas um, and w- who was handed to Edwina Trout. And later reunited with the mother, who was Thelma Thomas, on the boat. So somebody oh. was like, there's your baby! And went and grabbed it and gave it to the mom. Uh-oh. The story of this person was that he and his mom made it back to their father. So I guess her husband had gone to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. They were from, I can't remember where they came from. Yeah. I mean, you can think of like Assad. Like it was somewhere. Like French maybe? No, it was, I want to say it was like. I don't remember. Yeah. But anyway, I thought I wrote it down. The dad had gone ahead to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. to start working like within a store that like a tobacco shop that his one of his relatives was like, hey, come work here. You can run the store. Tobacco. And so she was heading over with the kids or oh, okay. the, the one baby. That was their first baby. After she got to Pennsylvania, she had nine more kids. Oh. But this one died of pneumonia at age 20 in 1931. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um. That is like the original version of like when you like, let's say your husband goes someplace and then you're bringing the kids on the plane. Yeah. Like same, same. Yeah. You get there and you're like, take the baby. (laughs) (laughs) I have been on this boat for five weeks. Oh God. It's like when I took my kids to Alaska (laughs) to meet my husband when he was working there. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. My younger one was seven months old and the other one was like five. Nope. And it was such a long, it was such a long flight. It was like Guam to Hawaii to Seattle. And then we had to get all of our luggage and stand in this long line. And I was holding a baby, all of our luggage with a five-year-old that's like, (laughs) and it was just insane. And then, but I swear, I think I started crying a little when I finally (laughs) saw him. I'm like, just take them. (laughs) Like I hadn't slept. It was terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Kids, kids on and car seat. Travel. Trying to uh, hauling a car seat. The car seat. Mm-hmm. That is, you know what? I have planes such a, should give you a car seat yes. for baby. It should be like, don't worry about it. We got it covered. That should be what the cost of that kid's seat is. And let me just tell so you annoying. that nobody helps me. Oh yeah, carry the car seat. Yeah, and I couldn't like people just watch you struggle. They watch you struggle with mm-hmm. a baby strapped to you and a five year old like that's about to like run away. I anyway, remember. yeah, it was times. insane. <laughs> I, I feel I know moms. Oh, there's a lot of you out there that feel just like yeah can totally. Oh, I, totally and on these flights from Guam to anywhere, I've completely seen moms by themselves like completely lose it. Yeah, just totally lose it because yeah. their kid was just out of control on Cannot. the plane. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, but that kid it survived to at least twenty, was like twenty. Yeah, but I mean, 1930s. It's uh, okay. You know, like back then things. You know. People died all the time. It's true. Easily. Okay, so now she survived. Mm-hmm. I I really hope she got some like extra bonus pay for this. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> just hazard pay, hazard pay, like something. Can I get some overtime for just, watching this kid all night? Can I get some this, overtime uh, for boat? almost dying? Yeah. I mean, really. Apparently, <laughs> she wasn't too like eager. They what? just they just give her a pen that says <laughs> White Star Line. Cruise. I survived. Yeah. Just I survived like, the Titanic. Uh, just a t-shirt. <laughs> <She> <laughs> said, uh, so a trucker hat. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently she wasn't too like excited to get back to her job. But yeah. back then, you know, she was like a single lady. She like needed the money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's like, well, I guess I gotta work and that's what I do. This is a time when World War One mm-hmm. was starting. Ramping up. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And so she ended up going and getting trained as a nurse with the Red Cross. Oh. And they're like, since you're now a nurse or trained mm-hmm. and you're also a stewardess, mm-hmm. I love how, you know, <laughs> she wouldn't be called that now. Yeah. She'd be called a... Like a boat attendant? I don't know. Oh, Not oh. a boat attendant. If, if, if I'm thinking a about cruise. cruises, she'd, yeah. be, she'd be like a happiness director or something. <laughs> happiness <laughs> director. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what if they did have... Like, seriously. On the Titanic? Yeah. Just a happiness director. Oh. Uh, anyway, so she was hired to... Because she was still working with those... The white line people, oh, yeah. Yeah. unfortunately. But they had turned the... HMHS Britannic, which was so another sister of the Titanic. So it was the Olympic, then the Titanic, and then the Britannic. Nice. She was hired as a nurse because that ship was refitted as a hospital ship during the war. Cool. But luckily, the Britannic had changed a few things Mm -hmm. since the Titanic. They learned some lessons. They're like, let's make some changes. Probably because nobody's going to go on our ship if we don't. The board is having a meeting. They're like, "What are the opportunities the for change?" The safety board. <laughs> can can we identify the opportunities for change here? There was a lot of safety training, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything was a little bit better. And they had made a few round trips to the Mediterranean a few times successfully. Nice, no problems. And they were taking all these wounded, like thousands of wounded soldiers, back home. And they were starting on their sixth mission. And this was on November uh, 21st, 1916. The Britannic was on its way back to pick up wounded soldiers near the Gulf of Athens. I still, it still sounds weird, Gulf. Gulf. But that's how you say it. It's fine. Okay. And it was 8.12 in the morning, to be exact. And there was a huge explosion. Oh, no. That rocked the ship. Uh... The captain was named Captain Bartlett, and he ordered the closure of these watertight doors and sent out a distress signal. So, okay, so far, so good. Yeah. Unfortunately, the blast had already f- flooded six whole compartments, which I don't know how many they actually had, but it was pretty bad damage. And it would have sunk the Titanic, for sure. Oh, wow. Right? But yeah. the Britannic had been prepared for this. Like, this time they closed off those compartments. Right. So it couldn't water can just flow through the whole thing. He thought, we can stay afloat and we can make it to land. But two things happened. So Captain Bartlett, like I said, he was trying to run the ship aground because he thought, well, that's better. At least it won't completely sink and it'll be safer. And there was this island pretty close called the island of Kia, K-E-A. Ikea? Like, yeah. And it would have worked except that the nursing staff, and I'm like, Violet, were you doing this? They opened all these portholes to air out like the sick wards. Oh, so I don't know what happened if like generators cut off and it right. stopped the flow and people are sick and they're like, gross, let's put we some We got to get some air in here. Yeah. yeah. And so what happened is water started pouring through those portholes. And so it's starting to flood that way. The other th- And they might have like opened them and then started clearing people out or I don't know. Right. Who knows? The other thing is that a bunch of the crew started launching lifeboats without orders. They were just like, let's get the hell out of here. They started throwing down boats. And this ship had enough boats for everybody. That was yeah. the other safety yeah. thing. It was prepared. This It sounds like maybe those crew members were like on the Titanic previously. <laughs> there were some people who were on the Titanic. And they were like, we got to do this now. Like, this is they how were we freaking out, yeah, I'm sure. Out. PTSD. Um, exactly. But the problem was that the ship was, he was going like full speed. Oh, no. Full speed ahead trying to get to this island before the ship sunk right yeah he was going fast as he could and the boats were getting pulled towards the propellers it was only about 30 minutes after this attempt of the captain to try and get to this island that he was like we're gonna sink and he said that's when he ordered okay lifeboats everybody abandoned ship right lifeboats went down and the britannic sank at 907 so it's pretty fast. It was oh, less wow. than an hour yeah. after the explosion. Almost all of the 1,100 people on board managed to make it off. There were 30 who died prematurely. Oh, like maybe they were early on in the explosion section of the, like, whatever? I'll tell you about it. Oh, so okay, okay. just kind of a little thing. So in 1976, Jacques Cousteau, he found the Britannic laying on its side 400 feet below the surface of Aegean. It's spelled A-E-G-E-A-N. I had to look Aegean. it up. Aegean. Yeah. 
I said I did, though. I did good on that one. Um, And they say the cause of the explosion. Some people said they, for a long time, they didn't know what it was. They thought maybe the British had somehow accidentally blown up their Another warship, like, came out and accidentally... Yeah, but I think they've proven at this point it was a mine that was put there by the Germans. So here's from Violet's point of view. So that's what happened, and I'll tell you her point of view on this whole thing yeah the ship began to list to the side after it started filling with water so mm-hmm. it's like everybody's like oh like on uh, one side and there was confusion about the lifeboats the plane because i'm sure it's like we're going down they start throwing down some lifeboats so two lifeboats went down and one she was in one of them because i'm sure women and children or yeah, whatever first. but it's a wounded soldier so i'm sure a lot of the nurses went down first or maybe the most sick people i'm not sure right right but she was in one of those two like i said deployed without any orders. And the, re- the the way the p- ship was positioned, because it was like full speed, but it's starting to sink. Yeah. The propeller propellers the <laughs> propellers were kind of like sticking out of the water. Yeah. But they were still spinning like crazy at full speed. Yeah. Full speed, and it caused the vacuum sucking thing that pulled those two lifeboats in. Oh and Violet was in a boat and watched the first boat with all the passengers get sucked into the propellers. No. And they were completely shredded, like chopped up. Yeah. Like a blender. No, no. Yes. And she's like in the next boat. She's in the next boat and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> so it's over. She was heading towards the propellers. Yeah. She, so she's like, either I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out, I may drown, but it's better than that. Right. Can I third there were thirty people. Uh-uh. That's awful. That's I she what continue. I'm, this so, is insane. Although she's like been on these ships all these years, she actually didn't know how to swim. Okay. I'm not so, going to judge her for that. It's no, fine. No, it's yeah. fine. I mean, I think a lot of people back then that. She was a stewardess. They listen, had life jackets. That she they had a life jacket. Into, she knew how to blow into the <laughs> She side. knew how to put it on. But she's like, I can't stay on the, Regardless, I can't stay on this boat. So she had a life belt, they said. I don't know what sure, that sure. is. I think it's the thing. It's like a life jacket, but the floaty part is like around your waist, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. the old timey white ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she jumped overboard. And when she was coming back up, she actually hit her head real hard on the ship's keel, which is that part yeah. that comes underneath. Yeah. yeah anybody yeah. who doesn't know, it's like that underneath part that keeps it right. And she said her words, my brain shook like a solid body in a, li- a bottle of liquid. That's what she wrote. And then she also wrote, um, I leapt into the water, but was sucked under the ship's keel, which struck my head. I escaped. But years later, when I went to my doctor because of a lot of headaches, he discovered I once had sustained a fracture of the skull. Well, we know where it's from. Yeah. So even though she survived, you know, she always had these like head headaches. Yeah. yeah. Oh, big time. Right. So while she was after she hit her head, she's like, oh, my God. So she grabbed a spare life belt that was floating by and she just held on until one of the other boats. They were finally launched because it all went pretty fast. Right. Yeah. And then one of those picked her up. To me, that one is more traumatic. Yeah. Than the Titanic for her. Well, yeah. And probably anybody who saw that. What about the people who were on that lifeboat with her? Did they all jump off? I don't know. It just says that 30 people died. And for the first boat, for sure. Had to, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's a real bad way to go. Real, real bad way. Megan, did I send you that thing? What thing? About the lady who got sucked into the airplane engine? Like the engine engine? Yeah. I like think she I got read something about it. this. Yeah. I was like, couldn't stop reading about it. And then I was like searching it because I was like, this, it really happened not too long yeah. ago. I mean, completely disintegrated. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this poor woman and her family. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I, I, and they're those... like, we told her and she kept walking too close to it. I'm like, oh my God. Like pull somebody away. Yeah. I don't know. Those kind of accidents, like yeah. the kind of accidents that like maim you beyond recognition or just like turn you into nothing a puddle of nothing like yeah. goo or what i can't comprehend them I like know. i also do the same thing where i will look up every possible thing about it because i'm like but what i don't understand yeah how this is a, i mean a thing. the thing is is we've seen it in movies yeah but it's a it's, but a, it's movie. a movie but to actually see something that we, we've insane all... in real life yeah i just I don't think you ever could recover it's, from that. Yeah, and I and I it's like even in movies I think it's too horrific. Like if you think about Indiana Jones, they show that guy's face melting off, but they don't ever show the guy who gets hit by the propeller when they're fighting on the plane that's oh, spinning yeah. around. Yes. They don't show that. He looks away. 
Yeah. And you just see the blood spray. But you will see that guy's face melting off when they open up the Ark of the Covenant. So I, I mean, saw that in the movie theater. That's how old I am, everyone. Oh, my God. I was little, though, and my mom, like, covered my eyes during the face melting part. I Although can't... when I actually saw it later on, the, yeah. like, HBO or whatever, whenever I watched it, <laughs> when I was, like, like, a year older or two, yeah, yeah. I was, like, watching it like, oh, my gosh. So um, gross. I don't, think so I, cool. I don't think I've ever actually seen the face melting scene Really? All the way through. I can't look at it. And th- also... Because it's all like... Yeah. It's kind of fun. Also, the one Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Large Marge. Uh-huh. I only, in like the last two years, have it's actually only- <laughs> watched the claymation of her face being all crazy when he gets that's, out of the truck. That's so great, though. I couldn't, as a child, I it was like I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I was, even the whole But the did whole you have scene, a hard time with Beetlejuice? Because, I mean, they yeah, do a lot I of face weirdness in yes, that one. Yes, I had to cover my eyes for oh, that. Because oh. those kind of things, I don't know, I think it's the the like... Mm-hmm. extreme deformity morphing morphing of, yes yeah. that just like going from normal to not normal yeah it, something about it it's just i hear you it hurts my brain i hear you yeah so she saw that and she almost like went into it now she's like okay this has been a lot you guys like really <laughs> I'm going to need some counseling. They're like, what's counseling? Like, yeah, exactly. Just have this wine. You'll be okay. Just take these pills. Bourbon. Pervitin. Like, (laughs) you guys missed that episode. It was a a Patreon episode. Yeah. Yeah. Just here's some meth pills. Just take them. It's fine. (laughs) You'll be okay. (laughs) Anyway, so she'd been through a lot, but she actually continued to work on these passenger or these large ships. Oh, my gosh. She actually went back to the White Star Line. After the war, and eventually signed on with this Red Star line. She's like, maybe this is Red Star is better. <laughs> I'm like, did the White Star still have ships? <laughs> I mean, aren't they all gone by did then? Did they all get blown up? Yeah, like it crashed and mm-hmm. all the things. I mean, that kind of luck. I feel like, especially that they're the big ships, you know? Right. And wasn't the one, what was the one right before that? Wasn't that also a White Star line? The one that also sank? kind of close to the Titanic, right? On the same route. Oh. I forget the name of it, but it was before that. And yes. it was like, oh, yes. You know, I don't remember what that one was. Well, anyway, but while she was working with the Red Star Line, she went around the world on five different cruises, which I think is pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Like, I know I have a friend from high school that played in a band on a cruise ship. He's a really good jazz guitarist. That's amazing. And he lived on a ship for a long time. And that's what he did for a long time. And it was like, I don't know. I was a little jealous. I'm like, that sounds like fun. My cousin met his husband working on a cruise ship. And they, yeah, he went on so many. I think he stopped working on a cruise cruises in 2020 like when the pandemic oh, yeah. hit and then they were like okay we can't do cruises anymore and then he was like kind of out of a job i don't know what happened after that but he went on so many and it, all of his it just seemed really fun i i've never been on a cruise neither i've I. never desired to go on a cruise the only one i've ever wanted to go on is the alaska one. Oh, i thought you're gonna say the same thing there's two kinds of cruises that I will go on. Okay. Uh-huh. One is there are cruises where you can go on an actual pirate ship and like <laughs> it's really small. They're really small groups of uh-huh. people. It, it, I will do that. I uh-huh. will do it. I want to do that. Okay. And then the other are those like really fancy riverboat cruises that PBS puts uh-huh. on. Oh, you yeah. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. oh, riverboat cruise in like Europe and stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, I just know that I'll be like, you know, 90, but perfect. I'm go I'll go with cruise. you. Yeah. I'll go with you. Yeah. yeah so, I just feel like they're big, like, diarrhea fests. Oh, for sure. Like, once somebody gets something, you're all getting it. Like a Disney cruise? Give me a break. Everybody. Everybody's everybody's got the diarrhea. But it's okay, because you're drunk the whole time. (laughs) I mean, right? Yeah. You're like, send the kids to do something and just hang around and drink. What's the drink package? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, she did a lot. And then she ended up working, I think... She went back to shore and Mm -hmm. did some clerical jobs. And then she went back out to sea for a couple of years with the Royal Mail Line Mm. voyages that went to South America. So maybe she got to go see her original birth town. And maybe she went back to Argentina. She's like, let me go check it out. When she was 36, she had a very short marriage to this guy named John James Lewis. He also worked on the White Star Line. Mm -hmm. He was a steward. And he was on the Olympic But they, yeah, six months, she divorced him. (laughs) Apparently, he sucked real bad. She was like, worst mistake of my life. So she never married, never after that, never had kids. Oh. Yeah. And so she actually, when she was 63 in 1950, she retired. Yeah. She moved to Great Ashfield in Suffolk, England. 
she, I love this so much. I would have loved to have gone to see her in her retirement, just chat, yeah, right? Yeah. She spent her last year, she worked on her garden and she raised chickens and sold <laughs> chicken eggs for extra income. There we go. There we have it. <laughs> I just love her. It's like, she's, yeah. she's great. That's great. She is great. She died at the age of 84 in 1971. Oh. So too bad I wasn't even born and I couldn't have ever met her. So but close, Jen. Anyway, she had congestive heart failure. So okay. 84, you know. It's good life. Not bad. Interesting life, right? Yeah, yeah. So there is this funny story I found, and this is from her book and her interviews, and it's uh, the toothbrush story. Okay. One of her quirks, apparently, which I also love this, was that she needed her teeth to be very clean at all times. Cool. She would brush them like multiple times a day. And so when the Titanic sank, you know, she, I mean, obviously left everything on board, you mm-hmm. know, got the hell out of there. And while she was on the ship that picked them up, the Carpathia, I think I'm saying that right. Carpathia. I, Carpathia. Yeah. All she wanted to do was brush her teeth, but she could not find a toothbrush. She didn't have a toothbrush. And so after that experience, she would not go anywhere without a toothbrush. Oh, wow. In one of her interviews, she said, now, the next time you go on a boat, for God's sake, if the boat's going to sink, put a toothbrush in your pocket. When she was rescued from the Britannic, yeah. she had a toothbrush oh my God. in her pocket that she and carried it with her as they were going back, like being transported to a hotel with all the other survivors. Mm-hmm. And so when she was in her room, like brushing her teeth, one of the other stewardess or like they say sister matron, but I think it's sure. like another, I don't know what that means. They knocked on the door and when she opened it, she wasn't like, oh, Miss Jessup, I'm so glad to see you're alive. She was like, where did you get that? <laughs> and she said, I said, I brought it with me. And apparently the other lady left, slammed the door and didn't speak to her again. Wow. I know. So. Not a sister matron anymore. She's like just a, rude. A rude, nasty matron. So I guess like her moral of the story is after being a multi-ship survivor is to yeah. always grab your toothbrush. So, okay. Like, let's say that. We were in that situation mm-hmm. and you brought your toothbrush and I was like, hey, can I can I use your toothbrush? Would you let me use your toothbrush in that instance? Um, Yeah, I you would. Let me do it? In that situation, I totally would. I would yeah, yeah. run it under some hot water for a while. Sure, sure. Like make it really clean. <laughs> Just a little extra soap on it. Yeah. The tooth- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like it. That's really nice, Jen. I remember one time when my friend Candace and I were like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Somehow I was think I was sleeping at her house and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't bring a toothbrush or something. Yeah. And she's like, you can borrow mine. But she wanted to boil it. <laughs> and we actually accidentally melted the toothbrush. <laughs> Candace, if you're listening, that happened. That's pretty great. Yeah. So you will see a kind of little bit of a depiction of her in the James Cameron movie, oh. which I didn't realize was 1997. That's like forever ago. So in the movie Titanic, they say that there is a fictional character that's called named Lucy. Mm-hmm. And in some of like the background shots, you can see her working in the first first class rooms. Oh. And once the Titanic starts to sink, she is told to put on her life belt to help set a good example for everyone else. So you'll see that. And that's exactly what they did to Violet, oh. like what her situation was. So they think they're kind of like, but I'm like, why didn't they just reference her? Yeah, that would have been cool. Which I, I okay, I only know this because I listened to that that age well episode Mm -hmm. um erica did like a bunch of research to find out like all the historical figures that james cameron included in that right right and um he included a lot of people yeah they're like real people and like oh this really happened this way you know i don't know why why she wasn't and why is there not a movie about her there honestly because there is a movie about the unsinkable molly brown yeah her movie is an action movie yes it is people getting chopped up speed (laughs) <laughs> that, is what that is what it is. It is just speed. Yeah. We'll call it speed part 10. Right. I don't even I don't know how many speeds there are. Anymore, unsinkable yeah, speed. Yeah. So there's another one. I guess there's a movie called A Night to Remember. It's a, it was released in 1958. I have not remember. seen that one. But in that movie, there's a stewardess that is seen on a lifeboat deck showing people how to put on their lifebelts to, to survive. Right, right? right. So again, that's her her job. So they think they were referencing her, but again, just, just not named. Yeah, just name her. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, and by the way, I think that Titanic, the movie, yeah, it did not pass the Bechtel test. The what? 
the Bechtel test. You ever so if you have a named female character who speaks to another named female character about something other than a man, oh, then it passes the Bechtel test. But if you don't have that, it doesn't. So all the female characters never talk, only talk about men. Only talk about men. Lame. Like is that what they point, talk about on that H one? Yeah, yeah, they talk about it sometimes. Like, like usually that's one of the the things I'm pretty sure they said this one didn't I, it's like there was one conversation maybe between the unsinkable Molly Brown and Rose, but I feel like in that conversation, they talked about her being engaged. So it was like, you're talking about a dude. Anyway, hmm. men or relationships. It has to be about something. Right. Yeah. Lame. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what it was about. It was a love story. It was, it was a love story, Jen. Yes. It was a love story about a door that was too small. <laughs> a very small door. <laughs> Lost loves over tiny doors. Oh. Okay, so here's a fun fact, kind of, sort of. There's an exhibition at the um, Liverpool Maritime Museum. It's called Titanic and Liverpool, the mm. untold story. But in this exhibition, there's they talk about dogs, that there were 12 dogs on the Titanic. And there were some kennels for the dogs, I guess. Mm -hmm. So the fare apparently was pretty expensive, like equal to paying for a child, which sounds about right today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So people who fly their dogs and cats be from Guam or to Guam, they all know. It's it's more expensive. It's like $10,000. You want to fly your pet here? It's $10,000. No worries. So most of the dog's owners were the first class Americans, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Which is still... Still rings true. I mean, a lot of people fly their dogs. Yeah, yeah. There were only three of the dogs that survived. Two Pomeranians and a Pekingese. And I have a picture, you guys. That's amazing. Because they were small, their owners were holding them when they went onto the lifeboats. One of them was Miss Margaret Hayes. She was 24 and she boarded the Titanic at Cherbourg. I have no idea where that is. She was going to New York with a couple of her friends and she had her Pomeranian called Lady. Girls weekend. That's right. Got lady. (laughs) Let's do this. After they put on their life jackets and waited to get on the lifeboat, she had her dog, Lady, wrapped in a blanket. And there was another American, I guess, Mm -hmm. James Clinch Smith, saw the dog and joked and said, oh, I suppose we ought to put a life preserver on the little doggy, too. Jerk. I tell you what. Men. Yeah. But he died when the ship sank. Oh, now I feel bad. Now we need to RIP. Sorry to let that happen. But why you got to like make jokes? He, You know, he's trying to make light of a very bad yeah, situation. Yeah, maybe it was like for, yeah, but still. Right. Another lady, Miss Elizabeth Barrett Rothschild. Ooh. She was 54, also had her Pomeranian. We don't know the name when she escaped in a lifeboat. When the rescue ship came, the Carpathia. Yeah, yeah. I say right. Um, <laughs> came up and the crew saw her Pomeranian and were like, no, no. And she was like, excuse me, I'm Miss Rothschild. <laughs> and you're going to take my dog do you know who i am i also am a super important person i'm sorry hold up a second i don't care if you're like i just almost died yeah i'm taking this animal with me this animal is like five pounds are you kidding me exactly no well yeah so she she did she was like hey look i'm not coming up without the dog what are they going to do with it? Just throw it out in the ocean? Like, what <laughs> What would they have done? Oh, but God. I don't even want to think sad about Sad story is that she did eventually make it to New York with a dog, and the dog died in a fight with another dog. Oh, no. Come on. But sad thing is her husband died on oh. there, you know, because oh, no. yeah. he couldn't get on the boat. Right. Anyway. The third dog that survived was Sun Yat-sen, was the name of the dog. Mm-hmm. It was a Pekingese. And I kind of like Pekingese. I don't know. It was named after the first president of China. Mm. And he went with his owner, whose name was Henry Sleeper Harper. He was a publisher and his wife, Myra, and two servants. So they all got on the boat. They all got, okay. Yeah. I don't know how old they were because they did let old people, like if you were older, men got Mm -hmm. got on there. The dogs who didn't survive. It's Mm. very sad. There was a French bulldog named Gammon de Picombe. I don't know. It was traveling with his 27-year-old banker, Robert Williams Daniel. It sounded like I said it was the dog's banker, but right. the guy was just a banker. <laughs> it was the, the bulldog's like, that's my banker. <laughs> the guy survived. Oh, but his bulldog didn't? 
No, no. Another dog that died um, was a Chow Chow. Not sure the name belonged to a stockbroker named Harry Anderson. He was 54. He did get into a lifeboat mm. and he later put a claim for his lost pet oh, for wow. $50, which back then was, was a lot. Yeah. A lot. There was also a lady, 50 year old Anne Isham. She refused to get on a lifeboat without her dog. They, cause it was too big. They said Great Dane, St. Bernard, something like that. Oh, wow. Mm hmm. And she she died with her dog. There were oh, like no. these there were like these myths or stories later that said they saw her frozen in the water clutching the dog. Oh, I just think that's so sad. That's super sad. Yeah. Anyway, Sabers is a big boy. I mean, he's still a small dog. He's like a short. You know what I mean? Short, yeah. But, but like, I would a hundred percent. It would be me in a lifeboat with just the cats. And <laughs> just so many cats. Yeah. I'm sorry. I feel like all of these. What about cats? Like, did they mention cats? No, no. Because no one I, cares. No one took any cats with them. Just dogs, small dogs. Yeah. I'd be able to take Pika, but that's about it. Yeah. All my other dogs would just be like. Could you imagine someone being like, you can't bring that dog on this rescue ship? I'll be like, ship? I'm going down with the ship. Like, I'm going to, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, well, I mean, there were a lot of people that like wives who refuse to leave their husbands. They're like, nope, if he can't go, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. yeah, I'm staying with him. That would be so hard. Be so hard. Anyway, we're going to move on from that story to I have a couple. Since we were talking about animals that Mm -hmm. survived the Titanic, I have a couple of other famous animal shipwreck survivors I wanted to talk about. I thought that would be fun. I I feel like a whole episode could be about this dog. But I'm just going to wrap it up in a shorter version. Yeah. Because all the articles I found were like, literally, they just go on and on. And on. I mean, the Wikipedia page for this dog alone what? is like more than most people. Amazing. So this is about Judy, who was a purebred liver and white pointer. She was born. This is the Wikipedia. She was born in <laughs> February 1936 at the Shanghai Dog Kennels which was a boarding kennel that was used by English expats in Shanghai at the time in 1936. Mm. There's a lot more after that, but like I said, I'm just cutting it down. Eventually, she became the ship's, a ship's dog, you know, their mascot dog. Right, right, yeah. On board the HMS Nat, like G-N-A-T. Oh, weird. And the HMS Grasshopper. And those were stationed on the Yangtze before and during World War II. Oh, okay. So she they found out, was able to hear incoming aircrafts. And so she would give them like an early warning. She would do like a pointer thing? She did something. She knew. After the crew transferred from the Nat to the Grasshopper in June 1939, the ship went to Singapore after the British declaration of the war on Germany. Mm. While she was there on board that ship, um, during this Battle of Singapore, the Grasshopper had to be evacuated into for the Dutch East Indies. Oh, okay. And then it sunk in route oh. getting there. So they say she was almost killed by a falling row of lockers. And there was a crewman that went back to the vessel to look for supplies and found her and oh rescued God. her. Yeah. So that's one sunken ship. And then these guys, so they took her to this deserted island Mm-hmm. And she was able, so they couldn't find her for a day and they were like looking for her. And these guys are like, it's super hot. They're like really struggling. She had found fresh water and they say that she saved all of them because she found what? fresh water. She was like, it's right here, guys. Yeah. They made their way to Sinkep in the Dutch East Indies and afterwards to Sumatra. And they were trying to link up with these evacuating British forces. They went for 200 miles in the jungle for five weeks. So during that time, she survived an attack from a crocodile. What? So then I guess when they finally found like people and things, Mm -hmm. the last ship had left of the, you know, the British forces that they were looking for. And they got taken as prisoners by the Japanese. What? I guess she went with them to, they smuggled her into this prisoner of war camp. It's called Glogor, Glogor. I don't mm-hmm. know. And it was where she first met this Air Force guy. They call yeah. him leading aircraftsman. Oh. I mean, it's very British. It's like that a British is. thing. His name was Frank Williams. And he would keep her the rest of her life. Wow. Yeah. He convinced the camp commandant to register her as an official prisoner of war. Because they smuggled her in and they hit her for a long time. Like she right. was really good. But yeah, so they 
I guess eventually they found out she was there. Yeah. But they let her keep, let them keep her. And so they're like, she's here with us. She came off our ship. She should be considered a prisoner of war. Right. Yeah. So she was. She was wow. given a number, 81A, Glowgoer Medan. Wow. Yeah. And she was the only dog ever in history to be registered as a prisoner of war, or at least during the Second World War. That's crazy. I don't know if there's been others since. Yeah. She moved around with them to a couple more camps and survived the sinking of another ship. It was a transport ship called the SS Van. It's like W-I-J-C-K. Come oh, on, give yeah, me a break. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was... Uh, after that, she, I guess, apparently saved several of the guys from drowning. Dude, this dog. This dog, right? There was this other guy called Les Cer- Cyril. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like he's like Les Cyril, but I think <laughs> it's Les, like L-E-S. Right, right, yeah. Okay? I mean, he was from the Grasshopper, and he smuggled her again to the next camp, because I guess they got separated through all this, and mm. she was reunited with Frank Williams. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the war, she was, again, about to be... She was in danger or whatever. Yeah. They were about to kill her, the Japanese guards, because there was a lice outbreak amongst the prisoners. And but I'm the, like, why are that's they a to different move? kind of lice. That's di- you, Yeah, not the same. You know what? They just didn't know. That's uh, they, Everybody thinks, oh, animals, dirty. Right. That's where you get They might no. get fleas. No, 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 no. But people lice. Yeah. Different story. Different thing. Anyway, he, the that guy, Frank Williams, hid, hid her. I don't know how or how, like, how he did it. If you go into, like, the really in-depth stories, yeah, they It'll say how. how. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so he was able to hide her until the Allied forces came and rescued them. Oh, man. So the other guy, Searle, and then him and some others smuggled her back to the U.K. on their own, you know, troop, I guess <laughs> they say troop ship. Yeah. And she spent, and once they got her there, she had to spend six months in quarantine. And he visited her every week. Oh my gosh. I get it that she'd have to spend, you know, a lot of time in quarantine, but also I feel like, aren't, shouldn't they all be in quarantine? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, mm, okay. (laughs) Probably. So she was awarded the Dickin Medal of People's Dispensary for Sick Animals is PDSA. And this medal is D-I-C-K-I-N. It's the lady who founded this PDSA. People's Dispensary for Sick Animals. That's an unfortunate name. It's a weird name, but it was invented in like the early 1900s, so it was just weird. And this award is considered to be the animal's Victoria Cross. Like, it's a real big deal. So, Judy the dog, this amazing dog, died in 1950 in Tanzania. What? She died of a tumor. She had been, she traveled there with that guy, Frank Williams. Like, he kept her. Yeah. Because he was there to work on this ground nut food scheme. Have you heard of that? <laughs> ground nut? So. Like, like. I had to look it up. Yeah. Like ground. ground no, nuts like or the like ground. On the ground nuts. nuts. Yeah. Uh, so okay. apparently it was a big failure, but they had, the British had gone into some of their millions of acres of lands that they had just like stolen. been like, this is ours sure, yeah, yeah. in Tanzania. And they were trying to grow seed oil. Like, they were trying to grow, like, nuts to produce oil, so, because there was a big demand for margarine. (laughs) Oh, Oh, goodness. Yeah, but I guess it was, it just failed miserably. Yeah. Anyway, so her medal was on her collar, Mm -hmm. and it's on display at the Imperial War Museum. It's part of the Animals War uh, exhibition. Oh, that's that's nice. And there's some really nice pictures of her. Yeah. You'll see them. I included those. I just wanted to mention there was some other... Dickin medal recipients Mm -hmm. and I kind of like it so it was first the first medal was in 1943 and since there's been I guess a hundred animals including dogs pigeons horses and a cat a cat yes so there was Bing an Alsatian, Alsatian patrol dog he was with the 13th parachute battalion in the second world war he was a fully qualified paratrooper Whoa. And he joined the battalion when they jumped over Normandy on D-Day. He jumped? Yes, with them. Um, there was Billy, a pigeon, delivered a message from a force-landed bomber while in a state of complete collapse and under bad weather conditions while serving with the Royal Air, Royal Air Force. He was given the medal in August 1945. So he was able to d- deliver a message. Apparently, that saved people's lives. Amazing. There was Simon. He was a ship's cat. 
of the HMS Amethyst. Yes, I have seen Simon's picture. Yeah, there, and that's the Yangtze incident. Yeah, yeah. So they say he disposed of many rats, despite being wounded by shrapnel and a blast on board. He was awarded the medal, but after he died in oh. 1949. So there was TRIO, like T-R-E-O, mm-hmm. uh, was a Labrador with the Royal Army Veterinary Corp. And he... Located, uh, improvised, so an explosive device, an IED, designed to trigger a series of bombs by roadside soldiers they were about to pass. He's credited with saving many lives of soldiers from the Royal Irish uh, Regiment. So he was given the award on February 24th, 2010. All right. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about one last animal. Yeah. Because it's fun. Sure. We're going to talk about, and I know you know this one, Unsinkable Sam. Unsinkable Sam. Do I know this one? I, I would hope I'm so. Reaching he through my was brains. a black and white tuxedo cat. Oh. So you should know. He was originally named Oscar. So he was on several ships in World War II. But unfortunately, he started out on the on the German battleship Bismarck, mm-hmm. which was, was a Nazi ship. <laughs> Listen, he's a black he's and white cat. tuxedo cat. He did can't he, help it. Did he have a little tiny? Oh, God, no. He didn't. <laughs> that uh, but that would be so. So that ship was destroyed after there was like this three-day battle with the British Royal Navy on May 27, 1941. Only 118 people from the crew of over 2,200 survived. And so he was actually spotted on some wreckage and taken aboard like floating on some, like a, a door. A tiny door. (laughs) Just a tiny door. And he was taken on board the British battleship, the HMS Cossack. And they called him Oscar, but also spelled it O-S-K-A-R because of his German origins. Oh. But according to the International Code of Signals, a square diagonal red and yellow flag is called Oscar and denotes man overboard. Oh, so there you oh, go. Okay, so that's the other sense. reason yeah, they yeah, called him. Yeah. So he was on board that ship, the Cossack, for a few months. And this the ship was carrying out a convoy, like escort, I guess, duties in the Mediterranean and North Atlantic. Mm-hmm. On October 24th, 1941, it was escorting a convoy from Gibraltar to Great Britain when it was damaged by a torpedo fired by a German submarine. Mm. Uh, 159 of the crew were killed by the initial explosion, and it sank on October 27th, a couple of days later. Mm. He survived again and was brought ashore to Gibraltar. Okay. And then, now they nicknamed him Unsinkable Sam. I guess it's Unsinkable Oscar didn't ring. Doesn't really like, yeah. Yeah. It's not as good. It's not as as catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he joined this crew of an aircraft carrier, the HMS Ark Royal, Hmm. which was instrumental, I guess, in the destruction of his original ship, the Bismarck. (laughs) While he was on that ship on November 14th, 1941, the ship was coming, I guess, returning from Malta, Mm -hmm. and it was torpedoed. Oh, wow. I guess it sank very slowly. So most of the crew was saved, and but he was again found clinging to a piece of wood by a motor launch. And he was described as angry, but quite unharmed. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, come on. He's like, can I just go live in some old lady's apartment? Can I just have a couch? Can I just, can, where's can my litter a, box? Can I have a bed that attaches to the windowsill? Can we not do this anymore? I mean, yeah. Seriously. So after this, it was like three ships sinking in three months, but it is World War II. I mean, yeah. they decided that he either was like really bad luck <laughs> or he was lucky, one or the other. Yeah. So they transferred him, they say, to the first to the offices of the governor of Gibraltar which is kind of amazing. And then he went back to live in one of the Siemens, the quarters or something. Yeah. yeah, One of their houses in Belfast. They're like, I want this guy. He died in 1955. So he actually lived a pretty good life. So he lived another like, what, 14 years? Yeah. Yeah. There is a pastel portrait of Sam. It's titled Oscar. The Bismarck's cat. But you should look at, can you look at the, there's a picture of him, kind of an up close picture of him. It's so great of just him. (laughs) Anyway, and it's, the artist was Georgina Shaw Baker. And right now it's in the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. And she actually specialized in 
painting portraits of pets associated with the war. But he's a cutie. Uh, he's cute. Yeah. They have a picture of him in the end of a like a barrel of a big, what's it called? Cannon. Cannon? Thing. Yeah. yeah. I kind of love it. That's cute. You know, a lot of people loved him. Yeah. Well, and I feel like tuxedo cats, they're pretty, they're pretty wily. I also feel like anytime you can have an animal on board a ship. Yeah. You're just raising the morale. It's just better. Yeah. Everybody's happier. That's you, why everything went bad on the endurance. Right. You know, because they killed the cat. He was so, you know what? That karma. Yeah. Honestly. I mean. You cannot kill cats. Like, yeah. it's just messed yeah. up. Yeah. And that just messed with everybody's mm-hmm. morale. Yeah. So I am actually at the organization to support. Excellent. And I'm going to go with the PDSA. The People's oh. Dispensary for Sick Animals still exists. They don't really go by that name, but they're <laughs> right. still, they just they just go by PDSA. They're like, this is better. Let's just not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not throw it. Just never mind the dispensary part. It's a veterinary charity in the UK. Like I said, it was founded in 1917 by Maria Dickin to provide care for sick and injured animals of the poor. Mm. It is the UK's leading veterinary charity, carrying out more than 1 million free veterinary consultations a year. Wow. And was, until 2009, the largest private employer of fully qualified veterinary surgeons and veterinary nurses in the UK. And they say only those living within the PDSA's catchment areas can use, I guess, if you fall in a certain income. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody that's in a certain income that qualifies, they get free care for their pets from this organization that's pretty cool and you can go to their website they have a really cute website and you can donate or you can buy stuff from their store right right. yeah so it kind of reminds me of the uk's aspca right right so that's cool yeah yeah so anyway that is the organization to support and that's my story i I mean it's not my story but i mean uh, yeah many stories all together many stories but it's mostly violet's story and some unsinkable animals I, I like that episode. That's nice. I feel like Violet would have had a lot of cats. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Probably like a dog or two. Sure. I feel like she had a lot of animals and she lived out her years like, you know, with just, these animals. Just happy. Just happy. Yeah. Just trucking along. Just not thinking about the, all those things. The awful things that she experienced. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why you need animals so you can get over your PTSD. Yeah. And I feel like I would have, you know, being an American, mm-hmm. and she liked Americans. Yeah. I could have gone and just chatted with her. She'd have hung been, out. It would have been so cool. With her chicken, her therapy chickens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I just told you recently that I saw a video about a woman whose therapist told her to get an animal, and so she got a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, people don't think about it, but chickens yeah. are really sweet. She's... My chickens literally, when not all of them, because mm-hmm. some of them are like, just put me down. But a lot of them, when I hug them, they put their head on my shoulder. They're like, and like when I put go to put them down, they keep their head there. That's so cute. It is really cute. Um, she said something about like it feels because she kind of like laid down on the in the video. She lays down on the couch and she puts the chicken like kind of on her chest. Yeah, and then the chicken like cuddles up with her, and she's like, "It's like a fluffy ca- cloud of sand." <laughs> so <she's> like, <laughs> just like it's like kind of heavy, but not really. But yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not that heavy. They're really sweet. Yeah. Except they just, some of them have weird things. Like sure. some of mine just like to peck at me all the time. They're just like, we just... Peck yeah. Me. They just want to be like, I'm here. What are you doing? Yeah. Like follow me around and peck me. It's annoying. And the other ones just follow me around and they want to be held. Mm-hmm. Others hide from me. And I'm like, come here so I can hug you. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, yeah, it, I, as you're talking, it just makes me think of my cats, like how they're all... So different. So different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bacon wants me to like violently rub him a bunch, like <laughs> scratch his back and like, and he loves it. And he's just like, ah, you know, and I, and uh, yeah. And then Nacho just wants to lay on me and stare into my eyes. And not be touched. And yeah, don't you, only the ears around the ears, you know, but nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Guys, there you go. Get some chickens, <sighs> get some cats, get some dog, little dog. If little you're going to go on a ship, get a little, get a take little your dog. little dog with you. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'm saying. Leave the big dogs at home <laughs> just in case and put a toothbrush in your pocket. Toothbrush in your pocket. So Megan... Yeah. Here we, we, you know, we're throwing out some ideas here, but what are you going to bring on your preparedness? Yes. Yeah. I mean, God, I really do love the idea of a toothbrush in your pocket. I know. I mean, obviously, I feel like we would already kind of have that in the emergency preparedness kit. Yeah. Um, For me, I feel like mine would be a toothbrush. It would be really nice to have a toothpick mm, and um, some floss. 
I don't need floss. Oh, I just need a toothpick. I need floss. And um chapstick. I feel like I'd lose my mind. <laughs> but we did chapstick already. Yeah. Once I think on a on a on a boat. It was definitely a boat <laughs> yeah, episode it where we it did. was like I don't know if it was a New Zealand one or another where it's like, oh, we need that chapstick. Yeah. Because you get real, real dry. Yeah, real dry. So yeah, Jen, I think we should just go with a toothbrush in your pocket. I agree. Yeah. I mean, she she so should smart. know. Yeah. She survived three, well, I mean, two sinkings. Yeah. And one notable. Disaster. Yeah. yeah. Toothbrush. Toothbrush in your pocket. I'm there. It sounds like a song. <laughs> I like, got my toothbrush in my pocket and the other one is in the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like some kind of weird folksy song. <laughs> so crazy anyway that was a great that was a great story stories little collection yeah yeah um i enjoyed that a lot glad you liked it there should be more you know awareness about cats obviously there should be more violet jessups in the world oh 100 she just seemed like a cool lady yeah she seemed pretty cool all right uh, thank you so much for that jen yeah no problem you're gonna die out there is produced by us jen and megan and edited by the talented and super nice guy jonathan pillsbury thank you jonathan Yay. Uh, all of this is possible because of an amazing group of nature nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're going to die out there.com or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it if I forget. Hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. We kind of steal them. All the time. Yeah. Because um, they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you're going to die out there dot com or an email. You're going to die out there at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. Did you see that thing in the news about the woman who, like, saved her dog but then got eaten by a crocodile? She's, like, 84, living in Florida. Was she saving her dog? I yes, read that article. I, I didn't catch that part. They have a video. They don't show, like, the aftermath, but they show her just, like, standing there with her dog, and her dog is, like, sniffing by the water, and then they're, like, going to walk up, and the crocodile comes out of the water. Alligator. Alligator. Sorry. And they don't show it. Like, thank God. This but... is why... I will never live in Florida. Don't retire to Florida. People are like, oh, they should they should move all of these reptiles, like large reptiles, to other places in Florida. I'm like, no, that that's where they live. <laughs> Any yeah. body of of water in Florida, I feel well, like. Well, the thing is, know. is when I read that article mm -hmm. or one of those the articles about that, there's all these side articles that are like, oh yeah, and this person got killed yeah. like last year, and this yeah. person like two months ago and yeah yeah it's a lot it's a lot and they put all these retirement, and they're usually elderly people yes they put all these retirement communities around a pond right <laughs> full like, of just man-eating alligators and and yeah and and there's no it's everybody's walking their little tiny dogs yeah you know and then yeah she like i guess got her dog away but was God. attacked Poor and woman. drug into the water like <gasps> they have the 911 call of oh her God. neighbor being like, my neighbor's in the water. He took her. The uh, alligator took her. Oh, my God. And I just can't. No. Because when you're like 80-some, like, come what on. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So what sad. a terrible. Poor family. Poor family.